Good evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Podcast where we chat about, talk about all things Porsche. My name is Michael Bath. I'm in London at the moment, and Steve is here. Hi, Steve. Morning, mate. Or good morning, I should say. You. Yeah, morning for you in sunny Sydney. Steve's in Sydney, enjoying the oh, actually winter. Sorry, winter, winter, winter in Sydney is. People always laugh when they say, "How cold does Sydney get in in winter?" I said, "Oh, you know, what is the lowest it gets in Sydney? Like six, six or seven degrees Celsius." Mm, yeah, I guess so. It's been cold at night. Last last week and a bit, sort of been about ten degrees, I think. So it's pretty chilly. <laughs> The thing is about Sydney, though, is it always feels colder, even though it's not as cold as London. I don't know why it always feels colder. Maybe it's to do with central yeah. heating or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's pretty miserable here at the moment. It's been raining and awful. It's like, it's not it's not nice. I don't enjoy yeah. the rain. I don't enjoy the wind. Um, yeah, so the weather, um, the weather in London's a bit, I don't know, it's a bit depressing. I think I'm just depressed at the moment, but it's a bit depressing. Um, That's no good, mate. Let's get straight into it. Uh, I want to talk about. I want to talk about owner stories. I want to talk about this week's owner stories. And I know you haven't listened to it, Steve. Um, this week, I had a really good chat. Actually, I really enjoyed the chat with Bob. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, to all the people listening, go and listen to owner stories. Owner stories number thirty-five um, with Bob from. Um, well, Bob's in two different places. He's in he's in Houston and he's in Alberta. Uh, so he travels between two uh, for work okay. and for, you know, that's that's what he does. Um, I like Bob's story, Steve. Uh, he currently has a 991.2 GT3 in Guards cool. Red, which he spec'd from new. Uh, he got an allocation cool. for it. Um, he built up that relationship with his dealer, that thing we always talk about, uh, you know, build up the relationship and then, you know, you, you will get an allocation, I guess. You show that you're keen, you're an enthusiast, you know, you, you take your car to the track um, Bob's story is really good though, Steve, because he started with a 997.1 Carrera 4S. Um, yep. he had other cars as well, of course, but we'll just talk about the Porsches. I'll let people listen to the story. Um, but he mm-hmm. had a 997.1 Carrera 4S, uh, which he took to the track, which he used as mm-hmm. a daily driver. And mm-hmm. then he was taking his, uh, that 997 into the dealer, um, same dealer where he bought the GT3 bomb. He was taking it into the dealer and yep. he was waiting for something to get fixed. You know, there was something happened to the car. And then he sees a 991.1, I think it was at the time, Carrera 4 on the showroom floor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then, you know, a few Bloody days hell. later, <laughs> a few days later, this is a few years later. This is not straight afterwards, sure, right? Sure. Sure, it was sure, a few sure. years. Like he enjoys his cars. And then he, um, and then he, um, uh, he ended up buying it with, with the, uh, you know, his wife being very enthusiastic about it and his wife telling him to get yeah. it. So he got that one. Once again, daily driver. Say, I, thought I, was good at, I thought I was good at the impulse buy. Well, <laughs> I want to get into Bob's story because it's kind of what we're talking about a little bit today. We're kind of got, we've got, you know, we're a bit all over the place today. We don't really have a set topic. But um, mm-hmm. so he bought a Carrera 4, 991.1, took it to the track, yeah. daily uh, all weather conditions. He drives these cars in all weather conditions, Steve. He's not scared like yeah. us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's not scared to drive in the rain or the snow. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, then uh, then the 901 point, you know, he takes it to the track. Then the 901 point uh, two GT3 came out and the dealer, mm-hmm. you know, offered him an allocation. So he took an allocation and then he spec'd it out the way he wanted it. Um, cool. And it's a good story. It's a really good story. And I really like, uh, I really like, and I just said to you before, I really like Bob's attitude. Uh, he's got a really cool attitude. Um, he also owned a 325i as well back in the day. He actually spec'd that oh, yeah. from new 
from new in 1991 yep. or 1991, I think it was. Um, so a what's car that, that he, 36? The square uh, implant or the is The 325IS, the 325IS from the 1991. Oh, I know the shape of it. Mm, yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah, E30, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yep. I'm not big. I don't yep. know about the, the BMW number system that well. My mum had a 320. A, oh, okay. A red, a red uh, 320, and that was a great car. It was a beautiful car. I really like the three. The three two five is that convertible that you know. The, you know the really long convertible. The you know it comes in the convertible as well. The really long back three two five I from the nineties. You know that one. It's sort of yeah. been people have been picking up on it. It's kind of that iconic sort of flat back, flat sort of convertible. That BMW convertible. Uh, his wasn't a convertible, but I think that I actually quite like the convertibles in those. Even though I'm not yeah, really yeah, yeah. a convertible guy. Um, but Bob's got a great story. Like I said, they're all daily driven, you know, year round in Alberta and Texas. They're all tracked. They're all driven in, you know, severe weather, you know, like really like extreme temperatures, like minus 27 mm. degrees on snow. Um, and it's a good story. You know what I mean? It really is. It really is a very good story. So I think you should go and listen to that. You should listen to it as well, Steve. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, so, I haven't had it. I just got busy yesterday, so. Yep. So that's the owner stories for this week. The other thing I want to do is I just want to I just want to give a I just want the listeners to to help me out here to help us out, Steve. Um, we are Uh-oh. at uh, we are at um, ninety one ratings on Apple uh, Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. we're up to ninety one, and that's reviews worldwide. That's not just you know for Australia or for the UK, whatever. That just shows that's the reviews worldwide. And like I said, when you look at Apple Podcasts, it might say for Australia, I think it's got like twenty one ratings. That's just for the Australian mm-hmm. iTunes store. In the UK, it might have you know, 30 or whatever. The US might have 50. Um, it's always country-specific, depending on what iTunes store you have. So that's why it doesn't show at all. But we're actually up to 91. I can see that. Mm-hmm. So look, I, what I want is I want any of the listeners... 200. Yeah, no, any of the listeners who <laughs> haven't gone and left us a rating, please go and do that. And if you have the time, a review always helps and this really does get a scene in uh apple podcasts it gets us seen through all those other automotive podcasts it gets us up in the search results it gets us found by you know uh, various people around the world um so that's my that's my plea today is that, my, is that what you call it plea steve what do you call plea? it yeah plea yeah, that's my plea. plea that's my plea that's all i want i just if you guys can do that we just need another nine uh get us to a hundred and let's see how close we get to it uh, next week when we come online Nobody else can see it because this is an audio thing and you don't record the, the Zoom call that we're on, but Michael's actually on his hands and knees begging. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of plea this is. <laughs> yeah, so no, no new Apple reviews this week. So like I said, we're up to 91. Let's get, us, let's get it to 100 and uh, that would be fantastic. Um, Porsche Cool mm-hmm. Patreon, Porsche Cool Patreon. You know, I should have remembered this. Um, one member this week. One new member, and it just happens to be Bob. Uh, so thank you, Bob. Okay, Bob. Bob, who's on Owner Stories. So thank you for doing mm-hmm. that. Thank you for joining Porsche Cooled. Um, I think Bob joined like just – he might have just joined on the – you know, before the podcast podcast came out last Friday, Steve, but as we record these, you know, on Tuesdays, um, mm-hmm. that's why it wasn't in last week's episode. But Bob's joined, so thank you so much. If you want to go <coughs> – if you want to join uh, Porsche Cooled on Patreon – you just search Porsche Cooled at patreon.com or go patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled. Uh, two to $10 a month. Um, for that, you get, uh, for the five, 
$5 a month one, you get benefits, and the 10 is pretty much the same benefits. Uh, you get a shout-out on this podcast, and you get to listen to the episode 24 hours before anyone else. I actually have to work very hard to get that episode up 24 hours before. It's actually, like, quite stressful for me. But I always – I haven't failed so far, Steve. I've actually got it up uh, for the last – God knows how many months now. I can't even remember – while we've been doing the podcast. This is the 106th episode, so you haven't balls it up yet. Yeah, no, this is 106. We haven't we haven't had Patreon from the beginning. I only started it, and I think, I don't even know when I started Patreon. To be honest, I can't even remember now. Everything's a blur. I should apologise. You also get to listen to my kids crying in advance. Um, I can't obviously control that. My wife's in the background madly trying to keep two kids under control. So apologies. Um, we... Yeah, and we, you know, we wanted to keep bringing you guys this podcast, and I, I keep saying everything's going to change, everything has to change eventually, but we keep trying to bring in this podcast. It's not so easy for Steve, like, as you guys know, um, he's just had his second child, this is in the morning there, um, it's quite early in the morning there, it's quite late here, so we're kind of like, you know, we're, we're still doing it, we're still getting it through, so you might, you know, you might hear some uh, noise in the background. I know Ajmal made a little joke to me last week uh, at Flat Cap Driver. If you haven't been to Ajmal's channel or Instagram, go and follow him. Um, he said, uh, for a second there, I thought it was my children crying. And he said, then I realized then I realized it was in the recording. What was going on? <laughs> what yeah. was going on? Yeah. It's my wife. Yeah. It's yeah. my wife like, uh, tearing her hair out. <laughs> to credit to her, she actually... In order to do this, um, I get her to kind of wake up earlier than she normally does and try to ditch one of the kids with her to just sort of hold the fort for an hour and a bit. So Yeah, and Steve and I, you know, we spoke about this and, you know, Steve had those few weeks off and we did this, Steve, because, you know, I was saying to you, I'm going to be back in June anyway and then, you know, we can record them in person and it'd be a lot easier, mm-hmm. right? We'd have a better time yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah. Of course, now yeah. my whole, all my plans are up in the air and that's all changed. Um, mm. so, so I don't know how much longer we have to talk about this off off recording. How much longer you're okay to, to keep doing this in this format? But mm. hopefully it's still okay. I'm fine with it as long as my wife is. Yeah. No, Cindy's been very very helpful. Thank you, Cindy. If you're listening, uh, I'm sure she's not listening, but she doesn't listen. <laughs> I asked. I'd be in asked, trouble if she was listening. I actually asked Natasha, my wife. I asked Natasha. I said, "You've been listening to the podcast recently?" She said, "No." It's like okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a couple of people who kind of came across it. I was hoping to lay low sort of thing, but it's like, yeah, I really don't think if you're not into Porsches, then um, you're not really going to find it all that interesting. So You have to be an enthusiast, that's for sure. You have to be yeah. an enthusiast. Um, Steve, we were talking about, I don't know if we were talking about values last week. We talk about values <clears throat> every now and again. Um, I want to get uh-huh. back onto something very more important in a second, but I just want to talk about this. Uh-huh. There seems to be, and I know I checked on the UK as well in Auto Trader. There seems to be a real um, low supply of nine nine threes. I'm guessing nine nine six nine six fours are the same. I don't know if it is in the US, but there seems to be very few nine nine threes. I mean, in Australia, we know they they rarely come up now in manual, right? Very rare, very yeah. very rarely. Yeah. One came up on car sales, which is a car site in Australia, which you guys always hear us talk about. Um, it came up the other day for a hundred and sixty nine thousand, Steve. Mm-hmm. And literally, I looked at it, and then I went back to the page, and it was already on hold. It was already gone. It was 118,000 mm. kilometers. Um, 118, that's 118. low for a 993. Yep. So what's that, 60-odd thousand miles, a little bit more than 60,000 miles. Manual, it was yep. in New South Wales. Uh, it was silver as well, so, you know, perfect private color. Seller? Uh, private seller? Private uh, seller. Actually, no, I don't think it was a private seller because there was other cars in the background. 
Okay. Um, I think the the ad's still there, but I don't think it has who the who the dealer is. But you right. know, one sixty nine just gone, and then there was a, a three point two Carrera, uh, and someone was talking to me about this during the week. How they're I think it's someone that wants is coming on owner's story. Sorry, I forgot your name. I, I'm terrible. I've had so many people contact me, and I haven't answered everyone. I apologize for that. Um, and you know, saying now yeah, I should source a SC or a, or a three point two Carrera from the US. It's much cheaper, and he did it. Did mm-hmm. you see the one? One came up in Waterhouse, and I know people on I think it was Porsche Forums Australia were like surprised how expensive it was, and it sold the from SC? Waterhouse. At Waterhouse, whatever Waterhouse has, was it an SC or a three point two? It was about one hundred and seventy as well. I think it was a three point two. Uh, yeah, you, I, life is a bit of a blur, but I think um, yes, I think I know what you're talking about. It's I didn't crazy know money. it sold that quickly. Yeah. Everything's going, but there seems to be such a um, shortage of kind of supply of, you know, nice cars, particularly if you're kind of looking for a manual or whatever. Manual 993s and 964s seem to be really rare on car sales. I guess that's where people like um, James at Porsche Platz, etc., kind of um, are worth their weight in gold because if they can find you that type of car before it hits car sales, then... Exactly, and this this is the thing. If you're not connected with all these people that know about it, right? If you're not on these mm. forums and you need someone, James at Porsche Platz, uh, RSR Classics in Melbourne, is the perfect person if you're in Australia. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. You know, so for that sort of that sort of Porsche, for that you know that classic Porsche, because he knows all the people, he knows how to find one, and I think you need that now, Steve, because like. You know, so many people tell me that all these cars don't go on the market. They don't get advertised. Yeah. Um, it's like buying houses off market. I don't even know if um, Scott at Autohouse does the same thing. I'm assuming so. Like, hey, they must have, like, a massive list of people um, flagging, like, what sort of car they're trying to hunt down. And I'm, they must connect people. They must, yeah. Um, I mean, I've been, watching, I've been watching a 3.2 Carrera in the UK. It's been for sale for a while. It's a blue one. I'm not even going to say where right. it is, but it's at some a storage place and a car dealer. I think I might have sent it to you. I'm not sure. It's got a cream linen interior. It's blue with linen interior. And it's 60, I, I think it's 60,000 60, pounds, which I think is right. pretty cheap. You know what I mean? I think that's pretty damn cheap for the UK. Um, I keep having that idea of like getting in this car in the UK and driving it. If I'm going to be stuck here in summer, like driving it around, driving it during the summer, but then I've got to store it and, you know, I've got more problems in my mind. Too many problems. Yeah. Hey, um, last week, you know, I was a bit surprised because um, just so the listeners know, Steve sent me an image of his car and it looked slightly <laughs> different to what it did before. And I saw a picture on Marco's Instagram as well of when you went on the drive. Um, mm-hmm. It really has changed the look of the car. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you're good at keeping secrets. You know, I just realized well, that you're very good. You, like, you, made, you gave me no, I told you. <laughs> you gave me no indication. No, you didn't. You gave me I no indication. You know, when we recorded that podcast, you must have been—you must have had the the car booked in to get those tires the next day. <laughs> uh, when did we record? We record on a Wednesday. Tell everyone what you've done, Steve. I've just put my old wheels back on and uh, <laughs> bought a new set of tires to go with it. I think I've been talking about this for ages. I just never took the plunge. But um, it's like um, my uh, what do you call it? The um, Short shift, not short shift, the gear knob, the co-polymer thing from Lathe Works. Did that come in? No, 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 oh. no. It's just like I've been in such a kind of fog, rut, haze, whatever you want to call it, just at the moment. Um, I've said to you, I'm looking for things to, to do and they wound up being car things, so... 
Yeah. Um, so the lathe, the lathe works ones. Uh, a couple of people have told me that they're um, hmm. they're going to get them. So we're okay. actually, you know, we're pushing business his way. So maybe if yeah, anyone I else checked in on my hmm. order, um, yeah, and he had a. I think he makes a lot of stuff out of titanium, and he told me that um, that uh, there was just a delay in the orders, and it's like, yeah, there's no hurry on in on my end. So I've got so, four other key knobs to play with. So let's just let's just talk about tires, though. Let's just talk about these yep. tires because you've got the you know yep. you've got your other set of GT3 wheels that you had. If the listeners don't know, you got the second set. Uh, they're in Weiss they're gold, factory, Weiss gold, yeah, factory gold, the, Weiss or Weiss. They're both the factory kind of style of wheels, like that came on a GT3. There's nothing special about them. There's just one set's black with the sort of silver um, outer rim, which was the set that came on the car. And then I think a couple of years of ownership into the car, like a set kind of came up on Renlist. I bought them because they were sort of cheap, and then I had them sprayed Weiss Gold, which is that sort of champagne-y kind of gold colour that was on the 997.2 RS. Mm. Um, you saw it on a white. I think it, the white and the blue cars had the yeah, nice color. the gold decals with that color wheel, which I actually still really like. Yeah, and um, Steve, you sent me that picture during the week, and it looks different because yeah. the last time you had it, you had it with the silver, with the gold stripe on the side, and now you've got no stripe. Yep. And also what yep. threw me at first is the stone guards are gone. I thought, wow, you could change those stone guards quickly. And then I remember the ones he bought were the magnet- magnetic ones, magnetic right? Ones. <laughs> I completely yeah. forgot. I thought, how did you change that so quickly? Yep. Um, but it does really, the car looks so different. Like the picture that I saw on Instagram on Marcos from a distance and his, it, it, it's a lot softer. It's a lot yeah, softer. Yeah, it's much, much different because it doesn't look nearly as aggressive. Um, I don't no, know. The no. white with all the kind of contrasting black it's like the wheels and the the um, fender guards and all of that sort of stuff just made it look kind of a bit tougher. And the Weiss gold wheels, uh, I guess it's the sort of same as, it's a similar look to like silver wheels um, with just like a plain white, you know, no decals at all or anything on it. No, I like, um, I like the wheels. I do like the wheels. You know yeah. what I was thinking? I saw an image. Um, hmm. I should send it to you actually. It was at uh, Box and Gas. It was um, Black Betty, uh, Box and Gas, yep. um, his Instagram. And there was a picture of a, oh God, I'm going to forget here. It was green. I think it was green. And it had a stripe, Steve, mm-hmm. a bit like what Ferrari does, where it goes over the bonnet and then over the fenders. And it's a big wide stripe. Uh, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I saw your car and, and the images, and I was thinking about this because I, I showed it to Natasha and I said, I really like that. I really like how that looks. And I know that Ted Gushu from Type 7 has the yeah, martini one on martini one fender. One. Yeah. But this one is much more yeah. bolder. This is a really bold statement on your 997, right? Yep. This wasn't yep. a 997. This was an air-cooled that was at Box and Gas. But, you know, um, it, it just goes over the bonnet. So, it's you know, it's quite wide, Steve. I'm just showing Steve yep. how it was very wide. And it yeah, was yeah. in, like, yep. lime green or something, the color I think it was on this one. Um, and mm-hmm. I was thinking, I, I showed it to Tasha, my wife, and I said, you know, I'm really tempted to do this. You know, I'm thinking... It's you know, just bits of vinyl. It's really easy to kind of give it a go. I no, mean, but, like, but I'm look, just saying about your car. I'm just going back to your car. Let yeah. me just say quickly. Your car, I think it would actually work now with the wheels if you did that on the front as well. I think it would work. You could do like a gold yeah, stripe. probably would. Problem with it um, back in when I ran these wheels last was that um, I had a gold and grey sort of Porsche sort of stripe like what's on your car. But um, the gold is true gold, so it doesn't actually match the colour of the wheels. 
yeah. trying to find a light gold um, decal is actually impossible. So, yeah. See, what – I don't know. I was thinking about my car and I was thinking, you know, what I <laughs> – I'm going to give it away here. I'm thinking mm. something in some kind of bright, like part of the martini colorway, right? So yep. one of those yep. colors. Now, it can't be white. I don't think it can be white yep. unless I change my wheels to could white. Be. It could be white. I, I was thinking white. But I was thinking maybe the blue. I couldn't do red because I'm not really into that big bold red. You're a red person. Yep. But, you know, the blue out of the martini could work well. So it just goes over the bonnet. You know what I mean? And the stripe. I think it's something oh, different. I don't think a lot of people are doing it. Um, I think it could look really good. It looked great on that air-cooled one at Box and Gas. It looked really fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. And I should send you the image. I did, I did put it in my story a couple of weeks ago. Um, but that was okay. the idea. But the four, the tires, let's go back to your tires anyway. Well, I'm getting distracted yep. here. The tires, um, because uh, Bob was talk, telling me about on his GT3, he, uh -huh. had, he has the uh, Pilot Sport 4Ss on his GT3. He put a new set on recently. Did he swap them out? He had to put them on because he was going up some off-ramp and then a truck had lost all these nails and he went over all the nails and every tire he had to replace Holy all the tires. Shit. Yeah, it was just wow. one of those okay. free things. Um, and he His said car he was, probably wouldn't have come spec'd with no, no. forests. I don't think you can get Porsche rated. You can't get N-spec um, uh, 4S's. There's no such thing, I don't think. No, I yet. think he puts uh, proper winter tyres on in the winter and then he has, you know, it's yep. not so extreme. He has, you know, I think he did have cupped, cups on them, um, but now yep. he's gone to the Pilot Sport 4S. So how did you find, because I know you went for a drive on Sunday, you went for a bit of a Porsche drive again with Marco and his um, 996 Turbo. Yep. Did you notice any difference with the tyres, as in noise? I did. Feel? How, I did. how was it? How was it? Uh, it? It was really good, uh, but what was a bit deceptive was, so uh, yes, I went for a little impromptu Sunday drive with Marco, hello Marco, and um, a different cousin bought a um, used F80 M3, so he kind of came along. So we all... Um, went for a, a drive down through Dural, starting in Dural and down to Wiseman's Ferry, which you and that's I a, have done that's once That's a long before. drive. That's a nice drive. It's a long no, drive. It's, not. it's a short one. It's actually mm. a short one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, much shorter. Um, it's just we did it in the opposite direction, you know, when you, you cross the car ferry. And did you, you go on the ferry? Sydney. So you went on the ferry? No. Oh. No. Where you scrape. We drove the opposite way and we just kind of went down to the ferry and then turned around and came back up again and had some breakfast. But um, what I was going to say was that those roads are really quite nicely kept in terms of the tarmac smooth. So it's a little bit hard to kind of compare. But in terms of answering your question about the tyres, um, they seem equally as grippy, which is kind of what I was expecting, to be perfectly honest. Like, I don't drive my car hard enough around a bend, even if I am sort of having a bit of fun. It's, I'm not on a track, so like I'm not even getting close to the limits of grip. Um, so I always knew that, you know, Cup 2s were a bit over the top for, you know, like a weekend kind of fun car. Um, I don't think the 4Ss are any less grippy. It doesn't, doesn't vaguely feel like that. Um, it feels a bit more comfortable, it might, and that this might be because it's kind of new rubber. Um, but it feels a little bit quieter, a little bit, um, yeah, like less noise, a little bit kind of squishier, but um, ride is really good, grip's really squishier. good. Squishier? What do you mean by squishier? Uh, just a little bit more compliant. Right. 
um, which is obviously a good thing in a GT3. Is um, the profile because, of know, the tyre about the same or is it less? Is it more? It's exactly the same. I mean, there's, the size and everything hasn't kind of changed whatsoever. Um, so, so like, and mm. one interesting thing was that my, the Cup 2s that came off the car, so look, then it's not like they were worn. This is me being a dum-dum and just kind of wanting to run two sets of wheels and tyres and being, being able to kind of swap backwards and forwards. Um, how did you coordinate that? I was wondering how you did that. I was thinking you had to take the car with the black tyres, not wheels. How did you coordinate mm-hmm. that? You put them in the Macan. Yeah, two two wheels at a time, and um, yeah, I used a, a a local tyre place that I found um, close to me, like a small business, run by like a really kind of um, excellent kind of dude that's very careful. Oh, okay, gave me a really good price on the tyres. Oh, so. you didn't go to spinning wheels, Jack. I did not. I, which is what I kind of normally have done, but um, doing that sort of multiple trips with the wheels and tyres would have been a complete pain in the ass. Yeah, that's so, what I was thinking, how you did that going to Marrickville. That's what I was wondering. No, I didn't. I stayed um, I stayed kind of local. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so the, the Cup 2s were only... I had a look at my old invoice. So they'd been on the car for a little bit over three years. Yep. And they've done, I think, about 18,500 kilometres on it. And after pulling them off, really surprisingly, the rears are, like, not that I can exactly remember because um, cup tyres don't have as deep tread, but yeah. it looks to be maybe about half-worn, which is incredible. Really? So Yeah, he, yeah, because, like, a mm. set of rears, like, at 18,500 kilometres... That's kilometers, pretty good. That's pretty good. You must be very soft the way you drive. You don't drive very hard. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, like His, I, I used to sort of swap um, rears on the 993 every 20,000 K, and they were just normal tyres. I remember that. You were changing them a lot, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, you'd that. you go through rears really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Here's a question for you, and I was reading a thread today, and this is where this is going to mm-hmm. come from, and people might have seen this thread. Okay. It was a thread on Renlist. So you've got the, the Pilot Sport 4S's, you've got your Cup 2's, right? Mm-hmm. So just say that, you know, your Cup 2 rear tyres are a bit worn, so you want to change your wheels around. Would you have a mixed mixed set of tyres? Would you put Never. a mix? <laughs> would you nope. put a mixed set of tyres? Never, ever, ever, ever well, do that. It's bad. And my you know car, what? My 993 came like that. When I first really? bought my 993 from Scuds, yeah, it had a mixed set of tyres on it. Um, I can't remember. I think there were P0s on the back or the front and... Um, Michelin's see I would never do it either but I found this thread on Renlist and I think it's been there for a little while um, mixing Pilot Sport 2's and Pilot Sport 4S's um, and someone basically twos said you know my rear tires oh, okay. will soon be in need of replacement however my fronts are only one year 4,000 miles old and still 70% tread I'm currently running Michelin Pilot Sport PS2's all around looking for replacements yep. for the rear uh Curious if I'd be okay running the 4S on the rear axle while I still have the PS2s on the front axle. I see. I, so my replacement, I kind my understanding understand is that. the 4S is a replacement for the PS2 and they should be close enough. Now, someone said, and someone very said something very, very good, front and yep. rear need to be the same. And this is how I see it, yes. and I think this is how most of us would see it, right? Front and rear need to be the same, primarily for driving in the rain where the water displacement and wet grip properties of the two tyres could be significantly different and that's, can't talk today, sorry. And that's where the handling or hydroplaning instability could show up. Only needs to happen mm-hmm. once. And I think that's a great yeah. comment. And, I, you know, I don't know if anyone who's on that forum is listening to the podcast, but I think that's a great comment. And it's true, right? The difference in grip. Well, 
Yeah, I guess I guess I can understand the point of view of the person that posted though, because if you're kind of going like you're not switching from Pirellis to Pirellis, you're not mixing and matching Pirellis and Michelins or whatever. And um, if if the premise of it is is the PS two and the PS, uh, PS4 is supposed to be kind of like essentially the same tyre, it's just that the PS4S is the kind of newer version of it. But I believe the answer to that is no, because you can still buy a PS2. Um, like I could have bought PS2s for this car, which I wouldn't do because... Well, that's what I got in my car. You know, and I'm, I'm yeah. still thinking, you know, if I have to replace my tyres, would I go to Pilot Sport 4S or will I just go to the PS2s, you know, Pilot Sport 2s and, and 2 spec? Yeah, I... Probably N3 spec think, now. I don't think it's an evolution of, I think... I think that they're sort of different um, tyres, but I kind of understand where, you, where that person's kind of coming from because, for example, if you drive like me, like grandma, um, and I've kind of got, um, you know, variations of Michelin front to back kind of thing, is it really going to matter kind of thing? Like, that's that's obviously what's going through your head because you don't want to go and buy, like, another set of, like, what could be very outdated tyres, um, but then you don't want to kind of plump plump the cash up for, stump the cash up for, um, you know, like four brand new tyres just because your rears are worn. Um, I've been through all of that before. But someone also made the comment that the grip behaviour of the Pilot Sport 2 and the 4S are different. Pilot 4S, Pilot yep. Sport 4S are different. Not a question of grip level, but different profile compounds. Um, yeah. It's a tricky I, one because I, I know that I know that you know in the past years ago I know people used to mix uh, tires all the time but you know also around that time you know people you know they still had retread retreads on tires you know what I mean where people used yeah, to just put the tread look, on which I don't think are available anymore very much um, so everything's changed you know what I mean but on a Porsche you know if it's your runabout car if it's your nine eleven if it's your nine eleven I would not mix tires and I would make sure that all the tires are you know. I, almost the same wear level, right, Steve? Not, you know, you've got to be really no, careful, no, don't no, you think? No, no? no when, when, I mean, no expert kind of thing. Like 911, I think, are very sensitive to kind of um, tyres as opposed to sort of like a normal kind of, even if it was a BMW or a Mercedes kind of sedan sort of thing. I suspect that that's possibly a little bit more accepted to, you know, mix tyres kind of front to back. Um, but having different, Having different wear, like you, you're always going to have different um, levels of wear on a 911 because the rears wear so much quicker than the fronts because yeah. um, because obviously all the weight's at the back. So eventually, like when you're close to worn, you're either going to have really worn rears, not so worn fronts, and then when you kind of switch the rears out, you're going to be in reverse. So that's pretty normal. Um, I don't think there's a problem with that. I'm no expert, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the answer is, so but I thought I thought it was an interesting thread, especially because you've just changed your tyres and, you know, you've got now, you know, two lots of tyres and two lots of wheels, you know, would you mix them around? Yeah. I just wanted to ask that question. <laughs> um, well, well, see, I was, because when I was taking the black wheels off and the Cup 2s, I was very curious to sort of see how close I was to needing new rears. I'm pretty sure the fronts wouldn't be worn. Um, and it's like, wow, I've still got that much tread on them. So, um, and it's crazy because... It is because they say those tire, yeah. the Cup 2s wear out so quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, look, I know that they, uh, um, the technology's kind of moved on so they don't wear nearly as quickly as the previous Cups or like a um, P0, um, what do you call them, Ross? P0 courses. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so pleasantly kind of surprised. But then I also kind of have then realised, I was saying this to the dude that... Um, 
uh, I bought the tyres and fitted, uh, did the fitment and everything. Um, it's a little bit silly because when you think about it, I'm never going to be able to wear through two sets of tyres, you know, within a certain kind of window given that I only really drive the car maybe like once a week kind of thing. So. I don't think it's a bad thing that you've done because I know that you've always wanted to try these Pilot Sport 4Ss for a while, like you've talked about it mm-hmm. for a while, that you wanted to try them and see how they felt. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's probably a good thing too because you are going into winter in Australia and it's the winter, it is winter, and there is a lot of rain mm-hmm. in Sydney, you know what I mean? And, and roads do yep. get wet, they do get frosty, they do get slippery, you know what I mean? Yep. So I Particularly think, when you're kind of getting up at five in the morning to go for a Sunday drive. Yeah, and when you're getting up early to go for a Sunday drive and the dew and everything on the road. So I think, you know, I think that you've got those tyres. It, it's kind of like having a winter tyre, like everyone, you know, our European listeners and our American sort listeners of, yeah. and, you know, UK listeners. You know, like it's kind of like going for a winter drive, you know, um, and you have your winter tyres. I know they're not winter tyres, but they're still tyres that have more grip than the cups. They should be, you know, yes. better in the wet. I should say, better in the wet than the cups. Better in the wet and I think better in cold. Like you don't have to kind of get them up to temperature sort of thing. Because like even the Sunday drive that we last did, it was really foggy. I sent you a little bit of a video kind of thing yeah. that I um, sort of filmed. And yeah, cool. it was really cold and foggy kind of thing. So Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good, I think that as an experiment, I mean, it's not that, it's not a lot of money. It's not a huge amount of money. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not a huge amount of money. We'll just say that. You know, <laughs> wink, wink. Well, looking um, in, so. <laughs> in my brain, at least, um, you know, tires are something that you kind of uh, you, you're always going to use them, so it's cool. Um, just one last thing. Sorry, I mm. kind of banged on for ages about stupid tires. Yeah, was no. so boring. Part of it was um, <laughs> you remember I was trying to get the um, pressure monitors to kind of work. Yes, like ideally, I wanted both sets of wheels to. Oh have. yes, yes, you um, bought the new ones. I bought the cheapest. Um, ones I could get and asked um, the local kind of tyre place to sort of just have a quick crack to see if they could figure it out because Auto House sort of said to me they're very unsure whether or not you can get two sets kind of working and being able to swap them back to front. Um, the short answer was no. But, oh, really? you know, the dudes that, well, the dude that fitted them didn't, they're not Porsche experts, so he just sort of said there's no capacity to program, like, eight sets of sensors into the kind of computer. You can oh, right, so you have forward. to reset the new ones in. So you reset yeah. the new ones in? Uh, no, I just uh, ran with the old ones. Oh, okay, so I, just, I understand, I understand, okay. Yeah. But did you have to, so what, do you have to reset the tyre pressure monitoring system after you put new tyres on? How does that work? Is that something you, no. know, you don't do anything? No, if they're already programmed, you'd pretty much just take the monitors off, like your old wheels, put them on the new ones, pump your tyres up and um, wait for it to kind of check uh, the pressures again and then you're good to go. Because I had to reset something in, in Bahrain when the Mercedes and the ML broke down at the hospital mm. after getting the COVID shot. It broke down and I had to go through the reset thing and, and it was type. It was something really weird I had to reset. I was just thinking of the dash. And I was just wondering if you have it in the dash where you reset the tyre pressure monitoring system in the PCM. Yeah, right. Okay, so that's the tyres. Uh, that's the tyres. But, you know, this is, this is sort of like, you know, what I, what I call, Steve, um, life with a 997. And I think you're, mm-hmm. you're a prime example of, of living with a 997 because – or living with a Porsche, right, in that, mm-hmm. you know, it's about – it's about the personalization. You know, it's, I guess it's living with a 911, not with a 997, but we have both have 997s. And it's that, 
you know, the thing that I miss the most, it, it really is this personalization. It is about changing things. It's about making your car you've had for a few years, you know, slightly different each season or, yeah, you yeah. know, by changing the wheels or taking the stripe off or, you know, it keeps messing with the interior up. and it keeps your interest up. Yeah. And, and the thing with Porsche, like we were talking about last week with the Porsche customization thing they're doing, with, you know, with the modernization thing for, you know, resto mod sort of thing. Yep. is that there's so many companies out there, there's so many things you can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is the problem. People True. say, you know, when you get a 997, you're just going to be looking all the time. Yeah, you're looking all the time. You're looking at other Porsches still, but you're still looking at all the things you can do to your car. You know what I mean? And all the people I talk to online, everyone's, we're all doing stuff all the time. You know what I mean? We're all living living with the 911, living with the 997, living with the 996, living with the 991, you know, whether it's, True. you know, keeping your interest up with track days or keeping your interest up by changing tires or wheels or interior or leather bits, you know, that's, I don't know, that's the, that's the fun part. And I think until you get into Porsche and until you start living with a Porsche and owning a Porsche, it's hard to understand this, you know what I mean? I'm sure people come onto this podcast and listen to this podcast and go, what are these guys talking about every week? The same thing about <laughs> Porsche every yeah. week. You know, yeah. But all yeah. our listeners appreciate it because they all—we're all in the same boat. We're all doing the same thing. You know what I mean? And that's well, particularly when you've only got one car. Like, how can we sustain all of this sort of stuff if you know, like, you don't—we don't have kind of multiple cars in the garage. It's just like but the imagine, one car imagine. that you're sort of horsing around with. Um, okay. And but if you had multiple cars, would you be doing all that? We'd be doing it with all the cars. That's what worries me. I believe so because. When I had two fun cars, it, like, so when I had the GT3 and the 1M, admittedly not a Porsche, but still that vein of car, which is an enthusiast car, there's a fair bit of sort of horsing around you can kind of do with a 1M as well. And like, even though I, in my brain sort of thought, oh yeah, like, you know, um, the GT3 is sort of like the kind of super fun car, the 1M is like, you know, don't go mental with that. I still kind of wound up playing with it. It was a fantastic <laughs> looking know. car. It really was a fantastic looking car. The more I think about it, those seats, yeah. those seats were really nice. But, but to your point, like the interesting thing about it is that um, there obviously are other brands. Like BMW has like a massive kind of enthusiast fan base, and there's plenty of other marks. Um, so like it's not exclusive to Porsche that you've kind of got this thing where you can can tinker with it and play with it and you know upgrade this and that, but. There is something about Porsches that I think, um, in terms of the community and um, what's out there, there's a. There does seem to be a lot more that you can sort of horse around with than you know, like pretend it's like my other cousin who just bought his F80 M3. Like I bet you he goes to town on that. But yeah, um, yeah. By comparison, by yeah. comparison, I reckon, for example, Marco, um, who just bought the 996 Turbo. Um, he's got like a much bigger world of kind it's of endless, you know, isn't playing. It? It's endless. Yeah. I mean, I've got a list. I keep a list of things that I want to do. It's just endless. You just keep thinking about it. You know what I mean? Mm. But I just want to get onto that, you know, because that's part yeah, of the value. That's part of the value of a 911, right? Let's just talk about 911 yep. here or port. Sure. I guess we're talking about Cayman and 7 but let's just primarily talk about 911. Um, yep. It's all about that value isn't it, Steve? You know what I mean? And the value, the value you get out of your car, that's one aspect of it, you know, doing things yep. to your car, changing your wheels, adding stripes, adding leather, you know, fixing the suspension. You know, it's that satisfaction, yep. it's the value. You know what I mean? And yep. The other value is the experience and the experience is by driving it a lot, doing track days with it, you know, experiencing the car. Now, yep. you know, uh, then we've got the community, 
right? Which you just said, the community. And then you got the value of the memories later on. You know, if you sell the car, it's like thinking about the car or, you know, even if you don't sell the car, you know, it's all the things you've done to the car over the period you've owned it, over the five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years or whatever. I keep seeing cars coming up on Bring a Trailer that are, you know, the person bought it new and it was it's like an 80s Carrera and they've had it all their mm-hmm. life you know what I mean like 40 years mm-hmm. um, I don't know whether it's ceased estates or whatever but they've had it like their whole life so you think about you have your car you know for another mm-hmm. 20 years and you still got the same car all those memories but the thing is and this is kind of spurred on a little bit by Bob's story and owner's stories and I did mention to you this before we started recording you know and he said yep. something he said something that's could have like stuck in my head uh, and probably if you're listening, you probably don't, I don't know if you realize you said this to me, but it's kind of stuck in my head since I spoke to, spoke to Bob a couple of weeks ago. And he says, to get the real value out of it, to really enjoy it, you have to use it, right? Talking Completely about your 911. Right. And, and he is, yeah. and as I said earlier in the podcast, he does that because he drives it daily driven, 30,000 miles already on his GT3, uh, you know, yep. does track days. And I feel like, you know, I've, I, I've kind of missed out a little bit. You know what I mean? And I know it's weird because we did this podcast, but I kind of, the more I think about it, I feel like I've missed out because I am not in Australia because I have been yeah, away now for like fault. That's two years. Yep. Yeah. And, yep. you know, you know, every time I come back, you know, we go for drives, we go for, you know, reasonable drives, but I always was hankering to do like something more, a longer drive. But then I think about, oh, you know, I'm worried about the kilometers I'm putting on the car or the miles I'm putting on the car. Oh, I like to keep the car pristine. You know, I like to keep the mm-hmm. car waxed. And I still like, to keep the car in good condition. I'm not saying I don't want to of keep course. the car. I don't want to just trash the car. Um, but yeah. I also want to use it more. And I said this to Bob in the podcast, I think. I want to use it more. I want yeah. to drive it more. That's why I'm, I'm saying, you know, when I come back, when I go back to Australia, which is going to be a bit later now, um, yeah. you know, I want to do these long journeys, Steve. I want to go to Melbourne. I want to go to Queensland. I want to go, you know, I want yeah. to drive it. I want to put the miles on it and I really want to drive it. And, Completely you know, if I, yep. if I lose a bit of value dollar-wise the value that I make up for it in other ways is actually going to be worth more. And I think I've been looking at it slightly the wrong way. And, you know, talking to people on owner's stories and going through these all these stories and talking to all the different people about the different 911s and how they use it, I think has actually helped me. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. I completely agree. So, look, because obviously as a reference point, like I've talked about it a bit, but... Um, uh, like my GT3 has 80 something thousand kilometers on it, which is pretty high for, you know, a 907 GT3 kind of comparable to, I reckon most cars would probably be more about 40, 50 or thereabouts. Well, that's Carrera kilometers, isn't it? It's like a base Carrera or Carrera S kilometers, really. Mm, not really. Uh, yeah, maybe. So like, I, cause I daily drove mine for a couple of years, you know, at one point it was my only car. Um, and for whatever reason, I think I was sort of driving it every day. Um, do I kind of regret that? Mm, not really. Um, but see at, at the moment, like where my car kind of sits is like, you know, um, I know that it's kind of got higher mileage on it, but it's like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I'm actually enjoying, um, you know, sort of going on weekend drives with Marco or my other mate, or like when you come back, I'd be kind of hankering to kind of, you know, go up putty road and all of that sort of stuff. And at this point in time, like maybe I've kind of gone past that point because I don't have the option that you have where you're sort of going, oh, the mileage, like am I better off kind of keeping it low? Mine's already high mileage for a GT3. But that's what I'm so saying. I'm not worried anymore. It's, it's really you know what I mean? Yeah. But what I'm saying is that it's quite liberating because I don't have that ah, choice okay. anymore. Okay. Like my car's already like a high mile. 
Um, yeah, so mileage-wise, you know, like I've kind of gotten to this point where I don't have to worry about um, the fact that, like I've already put the miles on the GT3 and I'm really enjoying, like as you sort of said, it doesn't make me um, baby it less sort of thing. Like I still kind of wash it like more than I should and do all of these sorts of things. But the ultimate thing is that um, at the moment, it might be also because of COVID, it might just be because I'm spending so much time at home because of the kids and all of that type of thing. But getting out and driving, um, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to um, needle you kind of thing, because I know you're in the reverse uh, situation. You don't have the option of driving your car, but getting out and driving and sort of, you know, just kind of catching up with Marco and my uncle or whoever at the moment is actually um, really, really enjoyable. And hence then, you know, things like the tyres and the other bits that you're kind of talking about in terms of horsing around with decals and little bits of interior stuff, um, it is kind of keeping me going, at least. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the thing with me is, is the fact that, you know, like, you know, my car's only got 50-odd thousand kilometres, right? What, 50, I can't even remember, 51 yeah. or something, 51 and a half or something like that. You know, but not being driven in a year and a half, it's like, well, you know, I've got quite a few kilometres to make up for as well. So it's not really, you know what I mean? Even if I go up to like 65,000 or 70,000, it doesn't, it's not that much. It's still quite low kilometres for the age of the car for an 06 model. You know what I mean? And I don't think yeah. that I'm going to lose that much money, even if I did sell it. And the price of Carrera, prices have gone up. You know, I saw a Carrera 4 that Classic Throttle Shop have. And it's not a 4S, it's just a Carrera 4 997. I don't know whether you've seen it. And it's 139,000. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it's got 80,000, yeah. almost sub 80,000 kilometers on it. So it doesn't seem to impact the value that much when it's around under 100. You know what I mean? Really. And again, like, so I completely agree with you because I kind of go, what's, what's more valuable? The fact that you actually enjoy the car or like, I don't know, it's very hard to kind of put a number on it with your car, but you know, like, what do you reckon it's worth for the fact that if you got, like, if you were in Sydney and you, you drove like a couple of long distance trips and you sort of just got out and deliberately drove it more, um, like how much value do you think you're going to lose on it? Like what? Yeah, five or 10 less, grand something? Probably less. Something like that. Less. Yeah. So like, you know, that's for the enjoyment that you kind of get back from it. Absolutely. Now then go to a more extreme, like say that's me, like, you know, I don't know what the the dif the differential, the delta is between like my car and a sort of more low mileage kind of example. Like even if it was, call it twenty grand, I don't know. Like, um, I would still now argue that it's much better to actually have driven and enjoyed it than just sort of pampered it a bit too much and just left it in the garage and not taken it out because you're a bit too scared to rack but up miles. But it's like it's like um last week's last week's owner stories with Simon right from Adelaide. Um, mm. And it's about how the first uh, the first GT3 he bought, the guy had set it up for the track, right? It was a GT3, wasn't it? They'd yep. set it up yep. more for the track. They'd fine-tuned it more. Yep. And, you know, the thought comes into my head, you know, it, when you're doing that to your GT3, is it going to impact your value? Are people going to, like, stay away from your car because it's been a track car? Are they going to say, oh, I don't want that car? And I said this to, to Bob as well, like, you know, your car now is a track car, like you're going to lose value, but it's like, but still the enjoyment you get out of it is yep. still worth so much more. Do you know what I mean? You know, daily driven and yep. track car, yep. the two things that really should be pushing the value down in some ways, but it depends on the buyer, I guess it depends on, I guess it also, it does depend on the car. Like, um, you know, uh, go back to GT3 again. I think 
Inevitably, if you're kind of looking at a GT3, it probably will have spent like some amount of time on the track. So that's Every kind GT3, of inevitable. Right? Maybe with something like your car, like a, um, a base Carrera, maybe that's sort of less so. Um, do people kind of worry about it? Yeah, look, I guess the truth of it is some people don't really want to kind of buy a car that spent time on the track, which I think is, in my opinion at least, is slightly slightly uneducated because just because it's been on the track doesn't mean that it's been beaten to hell it just means like as long as it's done the track time properly and been cared for then it doesn't really matter yeah um and a lot of people buy yeah yeah, true and a lot of people buying into the car want to use it as a track car so it doesn't really doesn't really matter to them you know it doesn't make any difference you know what i mean and like you said you always think when something's been on a track oh it's been thrashed it's been crashed you know but that's not always the case you know what i mean people are still looking after their car. No. People don't want to crash their GT3. They don't want to crash their 911 on the track, do they? So Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as long as as long as the fluids are kind of changed really regularly, like you hear some people kind of change um, the oil out pretty much, you know, almost every kind of track event. Um, the, brake, uh, the brake fluid's done, like you kind of make sure you cool your tyres and your brakes down, like you kind of do your cool-down laps properly and all of that sort of stuff. Then Even Bob talking about know, his brakes, like his brakes are still fine on his GT3, you know, even after doing X amount of track days, you know what I mean? Like, and he got the steel brakes, yeah. he opted, he, yeah. you know, he could have got those ceramics, but he didn't, he got the steel brakes um, because he's going to do right. track work. And he got right. PDK as well, even though his previous two 911s were manual. So... Because of that yep. thing in mind of being a daily driver, of doing the track, you know, like it's it's pinpointing what you want, you know what I mean? Where, you, where you're going to get the value from yeah. it. I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think about. I mean, it's almost like, you know, like we said, you know, it's life with a 997, life, life with a 911, Steve, you know, and, and, and it comes back to the value of the car. You know what I mean? You know, how you get the value. And mm. the value is from like what you did with your wheels, just changing your wheels over. The value I get from buying those leather parts you know, the value we're getting from buying that gear knob. It's all these little things that make up to it. But it's also, you really do need to get out of drive, so to speak, quoting Magnus Walker, but you need to get out and drive and you need to enjoy the car and you need to like really live it. You know what I mean? And I think not doing track days for you and I, I think we are missing out on something. I think it is something that we should look at in the future. And I think it's something that we, you know, we, you know, and I'm not talking hardcore track days here. I'm just saying as a track day, we should at least experience it. And I think we do need to experience it. And to really feel what the car is all about. It's interesting. So, again, like, yes, I kind of agree with that. Like, I think um, being able to experience what the car sort of does more at the limits, um, et cetera, is like, and, until you kind of put your car on the track, you're never going to realise how capable the car is or how incapable you are and what you kind of need to learn. You know, like, you sort of feel like on these sort of Sunday drives at the moment, you sort of do feel a little bit like a driving god, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, you kind of, I'd, I'd realise that if my uncle was in, you know, like his um, Mini Cooper GP behind me, he sort of said to me that um, he reckons he that, that um, he? He, he, yeah, he reckons that he'd leave me for dead kind of thing. And I bet <laughs> you he's right. I absolutely bet you he's right. But I bet you on a track. It's that big wing. Different. Hasn't that got a huge wing on the back, that Mini GP? No, he's got the GP okay. 2, not 3. It does, uh, well, sorry, it does have a wing on the back, but it's not as kind of weird as the, the current one. Sorry, going back to your other point was, well, I've got two sort of things to make, which was I do remember when I dailyed my car that it does somehow start to remove some of what's special about it when you become a little bit too familiar. Yeah, Um, yeah, okay. I don't know, like, how um, Bob, if he kind of ever mentioned anything like that, but I I reckon on the other end of that spectrum there is something to be said for... 
Um, you know, like if you kind of have a toy special, whatever your fun car, um, just reserving it to not do the kind of grind in traffic or whatever else, because like that is a complete waste of time. Mm. Like it's almost like every time you drive it, you want to be able to kind of drive it and have fun. And with I it guess sort of this thing. is what cup cars are about. You know, talking to Simon uh, two weeks ago and talking to uh, you know James at Porsche Platz, who both mm. own cup cars. You know, GT3 cup cars, and it's kind of like that. Like Simon said to me, you know, he drives it maybe four or five times a year. So it is yep. an occasion. Do you know what I mean? This is the thing, isn't it? And it becomes yes. like that yeah, car. Yeah. You know, and he's got the road GT3 now, but. It, yeah, but it's like it's the ultimate occasion. Like, you know, it's – yeah, it's a cost. Yeah. You know, they're not super expensive, but they're not cheap. Yeah. And you drive it four or, five, four or five times a year, but those times are so memorable. You know what I mean? Like those times on the track. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to to the point, because I did listen to um, that that um, owner's story and that was leads into the other point I was going to make was part of what you've been saying is that there's a lot of um, – a lot of the ownership experience at the moment for you and I – uh, is horsing around with a car, right? You know, like it's not necessarily the driving part of the car, but it's the car as an object or um, being able to kind of play with the aesthetics of it or, you know, just read up about things in the community sort of part. I actually still think that that's also really a really valid way of owning the car as well. Like um, in terms of that does, that does add to the yeah. whole experience. So... For sure, you could kind of get a 911 and you could just sort of, you know, put it in your kind of glass yeah. garage and just sort of sit there and gaze at it and horse around with it like that. Um, I reckon you're missing a trick a little bit like what you were sort of saying in terms of driving it is probably the more fun part. But there actually is a massive element, which is um, the bit that we're sort of talking about. So imagine if you were maybe a bit more like my uncle with previous 911s where he just wanted to leave it exactly standard as it came from the factory. And I'd kind of argue, oh, you're probably missing out on a little bit by not, you know, sort of venturing yep. into the other space. Yeah, true, true. But, you know, it, it comes back to that Leonard collection as well, you know, the Leonard collection with those RSs, which are such mm. great cars and, and they've got no miles on them. And then whoever buys whoever yeah. buys that car is probably going to do the same thing and just sit on it, you know, and it's like... Yeah, probably. I don't know. It's such a waste of a of a great car. You know, is it a waste? Like you just want to see it in your yep. in your garage. You just want to tick the box that you've got it. Um, it's like keeping watches. I you know, know, someone like, said to me, and I hope they're not listening. And I'm not saying this in any bad way, but someone said to me, you know, you know, would you get protection for your watch, or why would you take the stickers off? Because isn't it going to protect your watch? And it's like, but the whole thing about a watch is like furniture. It's like. Yeah, it's pristine and I like it pristine, but I know it's going to get scratches on it, but that's what makes it yours. You know what I mean? And Yeah, yeah I was going to draw the same analogy. Yeah, and I don't want to keep it. I don't want to, you know, I see the, the you know, for people that don't know, you know, a Rolex, you can get those sticker sets now that they do protection like PPF for your watch. Why would you do that? I wouldn't Is do that. Right? You know? I like the few scratches and dings yeah. eventually. Yeah, the first one hurts like anything, but eventually it's like it's it's yours. You know what I mean? And it has character. Um, and it doesn't impact the value hardly at all. Well, it po I guess, look, even if it does, like, yes, there's something to be said kind of like same with Porsches, like for the monetary value, but um, is that at the expense of your experience and your enjoyment of it? 
like, you know, having a watch that's kind of wrapped in plastic, particularly because it's a much smaller object. And if all I'm looking at is kind of yeah. vinyl and stuff like that, like, yeah, no way. Yeah. No I mean, even the that. Rolex stickers, and the, you know, I took my stickers off my Explorer 2 Rolex not that long ago, right? And I might have done a video about it. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. But, you know, when they're on, you don't yeah. appreciate it. And when you take it off, like, you get to see this, the polish and the stainless. And it's, you know, that's it's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, it looks okay with yep. them on and you think it's okay, but it's not until you take them off and you go, wow, it looks fantastic. You know, and especially even on Tasha's um, rose yeah. gold and, and steel one, root beer. You know, when it's yep. on the bracelet and it's covered, yep. covering the rose gold on the bracelet and you take that off and it's just so much nicer to see the depth of the gold and the depth even of the stainless steel, the material. Yeah. You want to see the materials, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you're not a big fan of PPF on cars anyway, are you? You're not-, not really because I had it on my 993 and I did sort of feel like... I knew what it was doing. I knew it was kind of protecting, you know, like rel- relatively good condition paint. But that at, at the same time, I always sort of knew that the overall finish wasn't as good as, you know, like just a nicely maintained kind yeah, of bit of paint. Because it's plastic. Um, <laughs> but that was a very long time ago. I don't know. It sounds like it might be better, but um, see, I still wouldn't do it. Um, maybe, oh, I don't know. I, I, look, I'm never going to be in the position of buying a new car, so I don't well, know. This that. is a thing, you know, you buy a brand new Ferrari or buy a brand new GT3 RS, you know, do you put PPF on it? And so many people do, but there's... Probably but then, you then, know, you yeah. see so many things online, Steve, that uh, how badly some of these PPF has been applied to these cars too. You know, the yeah. big gap, you know, it doesn't tuck under and it's not done. You know, you have to get someone that does it properly as well. Otherwise, it looks terrible. It makes your car just look cheap. Plus the scalpel marks when when somebody installs it and like inevitably they kind of cut like somewhere and they just you know yeah, manage to nick yeah. your paint kind it's of thing. It's all very scary. All right, mate. We might leave it for today. We're gonna we're gonna leave it maybe a little bit short. Um but we're gonna we're gonna end it because your yeah, microphone's just died and we're just gonna we're gonna Sorry, I had a technology yeah, we had fail. A, so we had a bit of a fail, a, so we're, um, gonna, we're gonna stop it, otherwise it's uh it, it's not gonna work. Anything else, mate? If the sound quality kind of horses up um, at about halfway through, it's my fault because my headphones don't. I mean, I like these sort of chats because it makes you think about it. You know what I mean? And like I said, it was because I spoke to Bob and mm. because I was speaking to other people about experience and, you know, you just think about it and I think about your wheels and I just think about all these things and how it all comes together for the ownership package, you know what I mean? For the experience of owning a, a car like a 911. And, you know, driving it is, is one of the key things, you know? It really is. Yeah, um, but, you know, equally washing it, you know, all this other sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, still like, looking after well, it, but driving it. Yeah, it sounds weird, but you actually kind of get, like, an enormous amount of enjoyment out of it. It's like, sorry, just like one other kind of tangent. It's like my uncle's kind of gone on this um, ceramic coating rampage, you know, like um, paint correction and then sort of learning to um, ceramic coat his own cars. But, and like, I'm sure that at some point in time when I have my own garage and stuff like that, I probably will have a crack at doing it as well. But the downside to it is that I suspect that I won't wash my car every week and I actually quite enjoy, you know, spending like, you know, even if it's sort of like a half hour, just kind of quickly kind of giving it a bit of a wash. Um, That's part of the experience. Because that's when I get to clear my head. You know Mm. what I mean? No release. Yeah, exactly. I've got no release at the I've got very few releases at the moment. That's a problem. And then the car, the driving and the washing and all that sort of the car ownership is, you know, it's enjoyment. It's a release. It really is. It's a stress release. Yeah. All right, mate. Let's call it. Cool. All right. You have a all have right. a great week. Yeah, you too. Take it easy. Hope it gets a bit better. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, everyone. Um, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, that was Steve coming in from Sydney. My name is Michael Bath. And that's about it. Thanks for listening. And bye for now.